0: From Rocketium, this is Spilling the Magic Beans. And in today's episode, our founder and CEO, Satish Sarur, spoke to Karan Bhatia, who's a senior associate director of marketing at Eruditis. And in this episode, Karan spills the beans on how his team have found a playbook of messaging that converts. And more specifically, he spoke of the processes involved in building high-performing campaigns from scratch. Next, Karan spoke in detail about experimentation. He walked us through the exact variables you need to test for your campaigns. And finally, he dove deep into how to interpret and act on the data that you receive from your tests. So without further ado, we hope you enjoyed this wide ranging conversation with Karan Bhatia hi everyone
1: welcome to another episode of spilling the magic beans today we have a very special guest with us we have karan bhatia who is senior associate director of marketing at emeritus and Eruditus group karan welcome to the podcast thank you for being with us
2: thanks satish thanks for having me here uh, looking forward to the conversation
1: love it so uh, one of the reasons i got uh, karan on board was that uh, we had an event recently where we talked about creative intelligence creative experiments and Karan, a lot of interesting uh, stuff to share. And uh, I really wanted to record some of this uh, for our podcast listeners. So Karan, uh, maybe for uh, uh, everyone's context, could you tell a little bit about
2: your role and what uh, eruditus and emeritus do? Sure, Satish. So I'll start with the introducing emeritus and eruditers for people who don't know. Emeritus, Eruditis is an edtech company. Uh, we work closely with Ivy League universities, top institutes around the world to co-create online courses and we own the entire cycle from, uh, you know, ideating what needs to be created, uh, what does market need, and owning up the entire marketing cycle for student support, student acquisition, uh, everything. In nutshell, uh, we're close partners to these universities and not just, you know, marketing agencies. So being closer to these universities while creating content courses and knowing about the geography market, Gives us uh, insights into what people want, what people want to study, what are they looking forward to. I think that brings an edge. The company operates uh, internationally. We market our courses in sixty-five plus countries, so that makes it a, a, a very widespread uh, operation. Uh, we have different kind of courses, right from you know a small mini cert, which is two weeks long, gives you a refresher in AI. You know courses from MIT or. Uh, Uh, which would be for $399, right up till a one-year-long comprehensive senior uh, management course, something which is at $65,000. So that's the entire cycle from, you know, starting your education, trying to understand, dipping your hands into something, to a very intensive, comprehensive course. So the entire student life cycle. We also now, you know, work in K-12 space. So, you know, uh, hands-on skills on designing, AR, VR, coding, we work with uh, these Ivy League universities to have dedicated specific course for young teenagers to helping them you know, take those quick journey in, into the world of coding and analytics, coding, AR, VR to be precise. So yeah, lots happening on the kind of courses uh, we serve. I drive performance marketing for uh, a couple of LOBs uh, uh, for the org, been here for three years, uh, seeing the journey, uh, seeing them scale. Yeah, So we are 25 people who, who drive the entire performance marketing engine for Emeritus, which happens to be the largest channel for us. So we haven't really scaled our brand and organic efforts. So yeah, a major chunk of revenue gets delivered through the performance marketing initiatives for the company.
1: Amazing. So uh, thanks for sharing this background, Karan. Uh, it's so amazing to see this uh, focus on continuous learning which starts at a young age but never really stops so it's uh, it's something that uh, i'm personally passionate about so glad to see you productizing that and taking it to such a massive scale across so many countries so uh, current now coming to more the nuts and bolts of what your operations have and specifically within that the role of visual content so could you talk to our listeners about what sort of impact do they create? How predominant is that, you know, because you could be doing search ads, you could be doing affiliate email marketing, things like that, but really display and social and the visual content within that. How important is that
2: for you? It becomes very important for us. So just to give you context, largely you will have a couple, two kinds of channels, display, push, or a search. There will always be a limited amount of demand on a search channel. So if you want to scale, if you want to operate at a certain level, you would want to push your offering to social, paid social, Facebook, Google, which will always be a creative uh, heavy channel. And you would want to do that because I mean, education is not an impulsive need. People are not searching for it, but there's always a latent need, right? If you see something, something which will help you take the next leap in your career or help you learn something better, it triggers a need. You start exploring that. That is where social becomes very important for us. And if you drill down to social, what we have been observing in the last couple of years is your largest, I mean, you have three levers on any social channel, right? The target audience, the kind of bits you put, and the kind of message you put on creative. Our learning says in the past two years that, Out of these three, the biggest contributor is the creative, the message, the visual, the person sees in the newsfeed. Not that other two things don't play a role, but as these channels are becoming more and more heavy on machine learning and AI models, they want advertisers to concentrate on the product, on the landing page, on the message and leave decisions like bidding, targeting, you know, leave it to the automation of the channel. That's our sense. And we've seen that to work. It also becomes more important for us because, you know, education is something which means different things for different people. You might be in the same classroom, same online session, learning the same thing from the same faculty, but you will have different needs. Someone would want to do that course to learn a particular skill set, A, B, C. I've done this. I want to understand, you know, how this works. I want to uh, have some hands-on knowledge and get some uh, knowledge from practitioners or some academicians. Other, so a lot of other people do these things to you know, get certified, endorsed. They want to have an education from Ivy League. They might have aspirations. They wouldn't have reached there before. And this gives a window to them to study with peers who come from global you know, companies across the world and get a chance to spend time with the uh, faculty. Now, when you have different kinds of audiences looking for different things, you need to talk to them differently to, you know, run your campaigns at an optimized level. There's always a blanket, you know, one size fit all approach with some, in some cases it would work, a lot of cases it wouldn't work, but unless you know your audiences really well, you know what they are looking for and, you know, start rolling out that kind of communication. It's only then you will even realize that, you know, there is a way of rolling out creatives, reaching out to these people, which can give you better results. Like Let's take an example. Let's say you're, you're teaching a course uh, in HR analytics. It's a new field. Not every HR professional would have knowledge in analytics. So different people would be in different journey in, in this thing. Some people wouldn't have heard of it. Some people would have started thinking about it. Some people have started working on it, but they want some form of endorsement. So you would want to talk to these people differently. And it's not that the course is just meant for one person. There would be enough content, enough takeaways for all kinds of people. Uh, but when someone sees a communication in the feed which strikes them, I think you, the entire funnel tends to work better. I mean, at the end of it, one needs to think about how audience behaves on this funnel. You know, it's we scroll on the feed, there's no attention span. You hardly have three seconds to make person thumb stop. So all of these things come together. Visual has to be stunning, different. And also, you know, that message has to really talk to them. Theoretically, I mean, it sounds Straightforward. It is straightforward. But when you go down to your product, when and in cases like us, where we don't really market a platform, we market 150 different courses. It becomes slightly complex for the team who does this to understand nuances about every product, to understand, understand, you know, learning, initiate learning takeaways for every course, and you know what's the intent for the audience and marry all of this into compelling copy put that on the visual and then start experimenting, give that to performance marketers and see uh, what happens. So, I mean, we try to do all of this at scale, try to put processes here so that we don't compromise on speed, which is important. You know, in a business like us, when we launch new cohorts every 60, 90 days, there is always a, a business speed which will keep coming towards you. But you also you want to go in depth on these uh, creatives to have very meaningful copy out on the uh, feed. Very cool.
1: So clearly your team has a big task at hand because you have 150 courses and growing. You have many different kinds of audiences, each of whom has different intents and 65 countries. So there are so many variables that you could uh, modify. One aspect of this is optimization. Something is not working. Can I switch it on and off? Uh, or maybe I come up with more ideas starting with a base uh, design or creative language or messaging position that you have taken but a harder problem is starting something from scratch let's say a new product being launched or a new geography or any of those so could you walk us through when you have to start that you have past intuition past knowledge past data but if you have to do something from scratch how would you start with experimenting do you have one answer for that uh, new product let's say or do you come up with three, four experiments? Could you walk us through some, uh, some of your thinking on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, now because of the fact that we've been doing this, we have enough data across the country, different audiences, different categories of courses. There is some understanding which keeps building into a playbook. So we try and roll out frameworks and playbook for every aspect, not just uh, creative or performance marketing. So over the last few months, we have realized that there is always a certain baseline which is acceptable. Uh, and because you need to roll out things quickly, you know, start launching new products based on those, those playbook. So, for example, we know that if you're not clear about who the audience is, but if your course name, the course has enough demand in the market, let's start our baseline with showing the school's building, school's okay. logo, which is the key offering for us. At the end of day, this is a Watton MIT Kellogg course. Put that out prominently, put the course name and just launch with that. Uh, and then we have a set of experiments, right? We internally call these uh, challenges and winners. So your current, you have something which is, let's say, at a certain number, it's the current winner for your campaign. But you can always benchmark. When you have a lot of courses, you know that this is not my benchmark. If I do X dollars average CPL in US, why is this at you know 20% less than X? So that you know gives us a working area that hey, this is not working. Then we go start experimenting. We take our existing winners, we think of hypothesis, we look at a lot of data. I mean, we are a data intensive, we, we are a data intensive culture, even graphic designers are so close to data, they they have the, the Redash and Excel funnels and Tableau always open, uh, you know, trying cool. to look at if we have so many creatives what's working. So we use that, we, we start experimenting that maybe this course has something which is hidden in the landing page or in the modules or in the brochure which if we bring forward, will work better, you know, in attracting the right audience. So, so you say if you have a digital marketing course and you have 20 other digital marketing courses in the market, what's that point which stands out? Is the fact that, you know, you learn digital marketing from someone who has worked in top five Fortune 100, 500 companies since last 10 years and he's done it all, should we use that as a hook? Now, I mean, there's no right answer to this. This is collective intelligence. People who create these courses, product would have some intelligence that hey this course this stands out uh but if that needs to be uh tested out right the good thing about performance marketing is you can actually run an intensive market research operation right through your campaign. So you you build your hypothesis then you know that this course looks like is being taken up by people who will not practice digital marketing but who will talk to practitioners and mm. say that's that's the hypothesis. Uh, then you tweak your language in that sense. So you test out those things. So for us Testing has been less of visuals, more of messaging. We largely feel that messaging uh, visuals work around, uh, we know what works, school buildings. You want to show people who look like the audience, you know, in a happy state, doing uh, fruitful work, it works psychologically. So that is kind of a playbook for us, but we try and then look at how do we tweak tweak the copy in terms of uh, you know what stands out in the course kind of people who have started to enroll what are they saying in our lms and in our forum when they're interacting is there something which strikes out we try then try to use that in our message and start experimenting on campaigns let things run see if there's a new winner then adapt that creative and you know scale on those creatives
1: sounds like you, you really have a very solid process that you have set up Could you give us a sense of the rough scale of something like this, so that the audience also gets a sense of if we have to run experiments, do we have to go crazy and for every one of those campaigns do a hundred of these, or should I do three or five? Can you give us a sense of how many of these experiments? It could be the headline, description, the visual itself. Give us a sense of that, and more importantly, what's the sort of impact that you have seen between like the worst experiment and the best one,
2: the the challenges and the winners? Yeah. So I mean that will always be subjective, but I mean, we have observed that, I mean, since we operate at scale, it tends to become easier for us to experiment. There's more room to experiment. If you have, you know, few campaigns or few products or limited kind of uh, limited audience, it will work differently. For us, what we try and do is if, if we have a hypothesis, we will run experiments. Let's say we don't we don't want to touch our primary market. We let things run. We run experiments in secondary market which is similar in nature in terms of price point, culture, you know, Facebook, CPCs, all of that. And then see if if there is some winner over there. The problem arises in a business like us is that there is, the revenue comes at a delayed stage, right? You get your clicks and leads today in, but your revenue would come 15, 20, 30 days later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's the tricky part. What do you optimize for? Do you optimize for revenue or do you optimize for creative? Uh, it has to be both performance marketing at the end of the day has to deliver revenue. Uh, but you need to also find localized wins in your subfunnels. Uh, and the platforms also ding you if you don't have enough CTR. The platforms yes, ding yes, you lower yes, your score. Yes. So so we we took that call that while well, we keep an eye on the overall ROI, cost of customer acquisition, we will finally optimize for CTRs. Uh, In that sense, it becomes slightly easier. So if you have a 60, 70, 80 day, say marketing cycle, you don't need more than seven, eight days, 10 days to find winners on things like CTRs or CPCs or click ratios because you're not waiting for your delayed delayed metric. So at a typical, uh, for us, at a given time, we would be running some 500, 800 campaigns across geos, Uh, each campaign might have a couple of audiences, Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. So for us, in that sense, it's easy, but we try and say that, you know, it's not about number. We don't want to push people to say, hey, put 5% of budget on test. We should always do that. Our hypothesis is bring out hypothesis, you know, bring out what do you want to test? If that looks solid, if the team agrees that this is what something we want to spend on, we go as big as, okay, let's put 40% of budget for this wow. campaign on test and let it run, let it get enough uh, you know, lead volume. Wow. And let's see, and let at the end of the day, Facebook suggest you know, the winning percentage. If that number is about certain 75%, it's, it's, it's a good probability to you know replicate all of that. So there's no set number for us. But since we are doing a lot of courses, there will always be problematic outcomes. So we'll always have a lot of hypotheses required what do we want to do next to make it work? Uh, if hypothesis sounds good, like, you know, we go ahead with this messaging. What we want to do now or we keep on doing is there would be a lot of tests which are not product or course centric, right? Those are in general things which might work better on Facebook. So, you know, things like, can you put a prominent CTF? Does that matter or does that not matter? You know, sometime back when 20% rule was very active mm-hmm. and it started, Facebook uh, took that down. We still wanted to test, you know, uh, does that really work? can I put a bold message, you know, have fonts with big typography and conveying the message versus smaller font and does that impact? What did you find for you? I don't think it matters now. It doesn't matter at all. Mm. Uh, we we have a hypothesis that Facebook feed certain kind of background colors colors work better. Whites versus blue, we keep experimenting with that. And then, I mean, there's some hacky ways to mm. test out new things. Facebook wants higher CTRs, right? So, Things like, can you add clickable bitly in your out of creative copy, in your headlines copy? And if people start clicking that, does that spike your uh, click-through rate? And does Facebook see that as a positive spike? Mm. Uh, So those things, there are a set of tests which we keep doing on those aspects. But nature of business is such that largely these will have smaller incremental impact, which on absolute numbers might be good. But when you're trying to solve a product market fit, right. uh, then you rely a lot on messaging audience needs and copy. Uh, so that becomes our predominant experiment. Perfect.
1: So so your team is part creative, part copy, part designer, part analyst, part strategizing I mean, and product. They're, almost so like, a-
2: they're also product marketers in a yeah. way now because if things don't work and we want new messages, they go back and sit, try and see, you know, uh, what should I say to a sales course audience? What's the biggest uh, takeaway from this course? I mean, we're trying to scale that capability as uh, as a separate engine now, because that's a lot of work and that intelligence kind of you know decides how campaigns will perform. But a good thing is that people who have worked on uh, creative and copy here are very close to product and they tend to develop that muscle. You know How do I look at product and then think of copy? Love it.
1: So sounds like within your own team you are running your own mini university where they get to learn all of these things. So that's amazing yeah. to see.
2: Yeah, it's it's a it's a fulfilling thing. You solve those things. It's it's really fulfilling.
1: Yeah, love it. So like I said, uh, the mission that you are on enabling continuous learning for people around the world, giving them you know this aspirational uh, you know checkbox in their head and real opportunities. Uh, amazing mission. So please keep doing your good work. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your thoughts and experiments and ideas.
0: Sure, that is. Thanks. Thanks a lot. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Spilling the Magic Beans. Week after week, we take you through case studies of the most successful marketing campaigns on the planet and give you tangible frameworks as well as anecdotal experiences that act as valuable lessons. If you enjoyed this episode and want more exclusive behind the scenes looks into the top marketing teams in the world, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform.